Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Wow, this is going to be a fantastic episode for those who are just getting started out in unschooling. So if that's you, please listen. I think this is going to be very impactful. This is part one of a two-part series. So you're going to listen to the first half of this. Uh, turns out there's a lot of great points and I think it's going to find it valuable whether you are already unschooling or just interested in unschooling. I think it's going to be helpful either way. Remember to hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the loop and enjoy this episode. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, today we're going to talk about goals for unschooling. I know it sounds contradictory, but yes, I do have goals for my unschooling. And I really do have, and we're going to break it down into a couple different things. So one, we're going to break it down into responsibilities for the parent and then goals you have for your child's education. I believe this is important because I believe that a parent's role is to be a model, provide constructive habits, you know, a way to go about things that makes it easier for them because they're going to have good habits when they get older. Um, as well as I, th I think kids require direction. They require some consistency, some direction, and then they can explore within those constraints. I think we all kind of best operate best within that, at least most of us do. And it's just a chance to get to really know ourselves and point our kids in the right direction, because I do believe that's part of our responsibility. So what we're going to go through then is the responsibilities of parents, unschooling parents specifically, and then the goals of uns our unschooling, which these are my goals, so I'm just going to pass them on to you. And that's life skill acquisition, adaptability, self-directed learning, nurturing creativity, social skills development, and self-knowledge. So that's six different goals. And we're going to go into it a little bit more detail. And I'm going to try and give some personal examples along the way. So let's jump into it. First is the philosophy of what I do. So with my personal unschooling journey with my children, I believe that we should back off on a 10 out of 10 level, get out of the way <laughs> because our kids do know what they're into. They do know what they enjoy, what they're good at. But at the same time, I think we need a 10 out of 10 parental involvement in order to help them get the best results. And what I mean by that is we have responsibilities as parents to do with our kids. And if we don't do this, then they're just going to get suboptimal results, in my opinion. Now, 
I believe that we're not going to do this perfect. I believe that we're going to just, you know, do our best, just like our kids are trying to do. But we, my version of unschooling is high parental involvement. We're not dictating where to go, but we are involved in this process of learning with our children. Because really, that children want to be taught. They want to learn. But forcing them to learn is where we go wrong a lot of times. So with that being said, the responsibilities as an unschooling parent, very involved, and it's not what is normally done in what people refer to as unschooling, especially radical unschooling, where you have zero parental involvement. You just allow them to do whatever you they want is the way it's been explained to me. So the first thing I think our responsibility is, is to expose our children to new experiences, information, ideas, ways to look at things. If we don't expose them to these things, then we're really doing a disservice to them. They're going to be, uh, what's the word, sheltered in a lot of ways. They're not going to know a lot about things. They're not going to know what they like. So if we don't do that, then it's going to cause them problems, I believe. For example, if someone doesn't ever play in uh, a band, they might not know that they actually enjoy playing a musical instrument. So we try and get them in new experiences, uh, give them new information, new everything, right? Because we've been through life. So that's something we can provide. Next is emphasize the importance of learning a new skill or gaining new knowledge to our children. Meaning, if there's something we know that's going to be important, we our job is to point it out and say, hey, look, we do need math for this. Stuff like that, or cooking, or, you know, whatever it might be. But we, we, we need to make sure that they understand that this is going to be an important life skill. We can point out the consequences of not learning this skill. And I think they're going to be more likely to learn if we do that. Especially if it's something that they're not particularly interested in but still let them make their own decision. By definition, if we're unschooling, they get to direct their own learning. And all we do is walk alongside them and encourage them. And I believe this This is where a lot of people go the other way uh, and they don't unschool because they believe they should, the, the kids need certain knowledge. So they're going to force their child to learn it. Here's what I believe. I believe that if you try and force someone to learn, one, they won't retain it. And two, they may even reject it. And that's not my goal. My ultimate goal is to prepare them for the best future I could possibly create for them. And the only way to do that, in my opinion, is allow them to make their own decisions, take personal responsibility within their decisions, and then also take responsibility for the choices and the consequences that follow. So I allow them to make their own decision. And yes, that means they might not learn math until they're 15. Not ideal, but... It happens, you know, not reading until they're X years old. But I believe the alternative is we force them to learn it and then they hate it and they're never really good at it. And maybe we could have cultivated a skill that they're really good at. I didn't learn real math until I was at the end of eighth grade going into ninth grade right before I had proficiencies. So, but the proficiencies that I went into was the need to learn the math because I didn't want to look like a goofball. I decided to leave my homeschooling journey and go into a public school. And then because that was my decision, I knew I was going to need to study math. And for three weeks, I learned 
everything I needed to know and passed my proficiencies, while my colleagues who had been doing math the entire time and hated it failed theirs, which was amazing to me because I couldn't believe I passed all of them in three weeks of studying, and they <laughs> had been studying for years, years and years and years and didn't pass. It just taught me a big lesson there. Another responsibility, and there's four total here, is we're going to give them the tools to be successful when they are ready. So an example of this might be giving them apps to learn math or giving them a computer to learn how to type or do whatever they want in video editing or it could be anything. Art, give them, give them art supplies, give them books to learn from. We want to not slow down their education. If we can give them the tools they need to learn when they're interested, they're going to learn very quickly and they're going to maybe even dive in and become, you know, an informal expert on that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I was really into the Beatles and I learned, and this was at the beginning of the internet. So I uh, was uh, born in 1980. So when I was uh, 18 years old, the internet was a big, pretty big thing. I was in com computer technology and I had access to the internet every single day. And I learned everything I could about the Beatles because I just loved this group. And I knew more than anyone I knew because this was the brand new days of the internet. And this information wasn't out there in the past. So I was in pretty much the expert I knew on anything Beatles back when I was 17, 18 years old. Uh, when, when we give them the tools to be successful, make sure you're trying to place an emphasis on making it fun while still educational. I mean, just like we... Just like we try and learn, we try to make it as fun as possible. We'll watch something that's entertaining over something that's not if it gives us the same information. Uh, also, in the way that they need to learn it, maybe they're a video person or an audio person. Just thinking about that is important when we're giving them the tools they need to be successful. Again, when they are ready, they get to choose this. That's part of the whole unschooling journey. Next and last, as far as our responsibilities, as far as I can see at this point in time, is allow them to practice in a safe way. What we want are positive and negative real world consequences. Let's say they want to learn how to manage their finances or they need to learn how to manage their finances is a better way to say it, their money. They can learn when they're 10 years old 15 years old, 25 years old, 40, but they're going to learn a hard lesson at some point and they'll eventually have to take responsibility. Our goal is to make those real world consequences when they're as young as they can learn the lesson as possible. We need to do that in a safe way, which I think doing it younger is safer. It's better to lose $10 when you're 10 than $10,000 when you're 25 or 40 or whatever you need to learn this lesson. If we can learn these financial lessons earlier or whatever we're trying to learn, this is going to be under our protection so we can limit the consequences while still allowing them to learn the lesson. And it's a, it's safer. You can walk by them. You can teach them along the way. You can point out like some of the things where they could have done better as well as some of the great things that they've done. And I believe that's probably the best way. But you have to connect the real world consequences and make it clear that they had a choice in this, right? They get a choice. They are going to accept responsibility and you walk beside them. That's, I think, very important. 
And this is how they learn. So the responsibilities of an unschooling parent, expose them to new experiences, info, ideas. Next, emphasize the importance of whatever your knowledge, whatever knowledge you're trying to impart. Next is give them the tools to be successful when they are ready. And lastly, allow them to practice in a safe way. And I believe if we ratchet that up to a 10 out of 10 level during our kids' unschooling journey, I think they're going to be successful. I think it's going to be hard to fail because kids want to learn. <laughs> All right, next, uh, the second half of this podcast is about the goals for your kids that you're creating. I believe everyone would probably, should probably have their own unique goals, but I think this is a great starting place. These are my goals and I'm going to give them to you so that way you can start to build your own goals uh, around your unschooling journey with your children. Because there are certainly things, and I think this is where I struggle with radical unschooling because I love the thought of radical unschooling. But radical unschooling is defined as letting your kids do whatever. If they want to play video games all day, that's totally fine. They'll learn the lessons they need to. While I tend to agree with that, I, doesn't, I do not think it sets them up for success in the future. That we as parents say, here's things that are important. So I'm going to create a goal around this and try and point out, you know, do, fill all my responsibilities in order to prepare you best for the future. I think that's probably the best case scenario. And that's why I have goals around my unschooling. It's not a curriculum. There's no timeline. It's still self-directed. So it doesn't violate any of the rules that we have around calling it unschooling. You know, if you want to say there's rules. So... I just want to make sure that's abundantly clear that I'm, I'm not creating a curriculum for this. And that should become clear as we go through this. So looking at the first goal and that's life skills acquisition. And you got to figure out what you want them to learn within this. Okay. We're trying to give them the ability to uh, adult or uh, what do they call it? adulting? Like we want to make sure they're good at adulting. I think is what they call it now. So able to act in as adults. So this means they're learning how to pay the bills. Um, maybe it's budgeting and investing. You know, these are some financial examples. Maybe it's entrepreneurship where they're running a lemonade stand. Cause you know that in the future, being an independent contractor or an entrepreneur or being self-driven is really what we're saying is the future, which I tend to believe that's going to be most people's future. So that would be a life skill to me. Now, the way I would go about that or the way I do go about that, I should say is I talk about with my kids, my kids are uh, currently nine, seven, and five. I talk about how much the bills are with the older ones. And they look at it and they're like, oh my gosh, over $100 for electricity in the summer? Oh yeah, we run our air conditioning. And they start to connect dots. And then they know what things cost and they can have a real idea of it. We also allow them to make money in what they do. So they, they have like different chores and stuff like that that we pay them for. We have basic responsibilities within the household, which is I also think is part of life skills. 
And then beyond that, there's above and beyond, they get paid for it like it's a job and they get to choose how much they work and how much they don't, right? Prepare them for that future of independent contractors, 1099 employees, entrepreneurs, that kind of stuff where they are totally self-driven. We allow them to do as much as they want or as little as they want on the, the non-required responsibilities or just the chores we call it. So when they make money, this includes any kind of money that they make, whether it's a birthday gift or whatever, within reason. <laughs> we, we give them uh, a couple different jars. First jar is 10% of their money goes to tithing. Because we're Christians, and you can listen to this podcast and not be a Christian, that's fine. But because we're Christians, we believe that giving the first 10% goes to the church, goes to God. And that gets filtered out within the church to help other people. So we believe in giving our first 10%. So we have the jar, it says first 10%. Then we have two other jars, and it's going to grow into more jars in the future, but at this age, there's only two other jars. Of the rest of the money, 50% goes into save and 50% goes into spend. This is a great opportunity to learn about fractions, by the way. We do this all the time. So they have to go over and take first 10% and then they go over and take 50% for the rest. And the life lessons that we get out of this are math, saving and spending. And it's, it's incredible to actually watch them learn the life's, legend, life's lessons about budgeting and how much they want to spend because we allow them to, one day a week where they can eat a whole bunch of candy. <laughs> it's kind of crazy day, but if they want to do it, we give them that ability so they don't feel deprived and they can spend their money on this candy because that's really what they want. And what we did with the 50% spend and 50% save is we wanted to allow them to first know that they can enjoy their money, that it's not wrong to spend the money because if we be, turn them into hyper savers, I don't think that's great because they might deprive themselves, but at the same time, be very responsible with saving. And what they do is they take one jar and look at the other. So they count their money out to see if they have enough money for a video game or something. And they find that they only have a couple dollars left in the spend jar, but in the save jar, they got enough for the video game. They got like 50 bucks in there. That means they spent $50 and they have nothing to show for it because they've only bought candy. This is a lesson we just recently ran into because we want to buy super smash brothers whatever on the Nintendo Wii or Switch or whatever we got now. And they're like, man, if I, I don't know if that all that candy was worth it. And those are the lessons that we're trying to make sure we impart on them. Sorry, not impart because it's not coming from us. Got to change my language here. <laughs> that's, the, that's the natural consequences of their actions and it becomes very clear and it's tied directly into their choices. So they're taking personal responsibility for these actions. And we just kind of keep pointing them back, right? Um, some general life skills that I think are important beyond just financial stuff is having them cook, having them uh, learn how to swim, managing their own calendar. And this is something new that we did because we got iPads for the kids, of course, with restrictions on it being that young but we get, we set up a calendar for them and then they can see everything that they're involved with so they can plan out their day. I mean, these are life skills, right? Teaching technology, we, we signed up for a typing club and my kids got really good at typing. Uh, 
<laughs> this is a newer one and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to handle this one yet. I'm still working it out because we're early in the AI game, but using AI and other types of technology like that, like search engines and YouTube and all that fun stuff. A recent life lesson we learned re with my oldest, my nine-year-old, is prioritizing. And we use the 2080 principle to rationally walk through some of the things that would be impactful to change some of his behavior. And he was totally open to it because he learned he got a consequence from his action that he didn't like and he was going to avoid it. And I said, I have something that might help you figure out the easiest way to do this, the most impactful way to do, that with the, do this with the least amount of effort. Using the 80-20 principle is generally looked at as a, as a way to simplify the decision-making process to only focus on the most impactful things. So look it up if you're interested in that, if you've never seen that before. When we take them shopping, we talk about food choices and the cost of food and why we choose certain foods over the others. This is our nutritional education. These are just all learning opportunities that unschoolers get advantage or get the advantage of having. Communication is another one. That's that's something that I think is a life skill that we need to make sure they can articulate what they are saying. So we always have them explain and we don't rush them and we try and listen to what they're saying. We repeat back to them what we heard. We take an active role in listening. And sometimes when we repeat it back, they go, oh, no, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. And it's very interesting to, to watch that process build. We also use bigger words around them. And they stop and they ask, what does that mean? Today, the big word that we used was a monologue. Well, what's a monologue? Well, here's, you know, describe the monologue. And then we hear them start using these words in regular conversation, which is super cool to hear like a seven-year-old do. Uh, first aid, when they get hurt, we teach them about what, they're do what we're doing. Uh, personal hygiene, why we're taking showers, why <laughs> I'm using deodorant, not them. Uh, all those types of things. Physical health. They see mom and dad working out. We talk about why they need to get outside, why we bike everywhere, if possible. All these different types of things are great opportunities. And I consider it to be life skills. Because really what we're going to do is we're trying to prepare, prepare adults. We do have some academic life skill acquisition goals. Those goals are reading, writing, and math. As far as I can tell, you need those as far as I can see out into the future. At least a under, general understanding of them and the ability to do them. So what we do is we do daily math time. And again, this is one of those things that comes and goes because we can't force them to do it. Otherwise, we make them hate it and we don't want them to hate math. We take up to an hour doing math a couple days, three, four days a week. And we just offer it to them. And if they're not into it, we don't do it. But when they are, boy, we make it a challenge and we make it fun. And they have a great time. A dinner conversation is is the backup where we just kind of say, all right, who can tell me what this is? You know, we were covering fractions the other day with my seven-year-old and introducing those concepts because we had a point where we were going to split up hot dogs, three hot or two hot dogs between three kids. So we started talking about fractions and just continuing to show that value and taking our responsibility seriously within this, uh, within this, within these goals, we'll say. We, we also, as academically, like one of the ways we, so that's how we get like math with, within it. We, we do some reading 
because we, we always get them books at the library. We always allow them to pick out whatever they want, as much as they want, take them home. And then when they go to bed each day, we have them take as many books as they want and they can stay up as late as they want reading. They can also wake up as early as they want reading as long as they're quiet. And that's really the only thing, uh, the only requirement we have. So that's how we've taught reading. We also have some quiet times, which is which has been helpful. In addition to that, we have them write stories so they can bring a, a pencil or pen in the back with a notepad or a leaf paper and they make stories and it's kind of cool. That's how we get them to write because it's been a struggle to get them to write, especially with my oldest. He avoids it like the plague, but we try and find these opportunities to create learning with him. I, I think my favorite example is he decided he was going to make an entertainment show, which <laughs> we thought was brilliant. He was going to sing us a song. And if we gave a little bit extra, paid him a little bit extra, he was going to do like an acapella performance of the song. I mean, just some cool stuff, like super special dance moves. So we did, we, we bought a, a ticket to the show. And when we saw that, we we're like, yeah, this is great. We want more. And he's like, I'm creating a subscription service. That was his idea. And we said, okay, if we're going to get on subscription, then we need a contract for exactly what we're going to get. So he had to write out all the contract. And this was a great time to point out. I can't read that word. Your spacing is a little too close together. This might get confusing. And just an opportunity to talk about legal contracts and have him work on his writing because it wasn't legible. And how important that is. So we we thought that was genius. And he, he did it over and over again until we could read it. And then he decided to cancel his subscription for some reason. Uh, and move on to other things. Another way to do writing was making cards. And, and these are just examples of ways to fulfill that goal of, uh, of learning how to write. And when I say cards, like birthday cards, whatever card for anyone, and just keep on having, have, have them keep on making those. Okay, we're going to stop right there. And we're going to do part two in the next episode. So make sure you stay tuned. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world, and the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message, and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.